But this week, we're going to talk about the miracle power of thankfulness. So let's pray, and we will get into that material this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around and just do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to see what you've got for us today. Help us to unlock some secrets and grab hold of them. Lord, we're all dealing with different things. We're fighting different parts of the battle, and we need a different touch from you. So, Lord, I pray that that touch would come this morning by your spirit for each one of us. Bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. One concern that I have with regards to the state of Christianity today is the loss of certain spiritual arts and spiritual disciplines. Um, Years ago when I was talking to the people I was meeting in Jamaica, we were comparing notes on the state of the church in America and the state of the church in Jamaica. And somebody asked me, what are your all-night prayer meetings like? And I said, well, we, we don't have all-night prayer meetings. You know, those are a thing of the past. You know, we used to have several day-long prayer meetings. Now we're fortunate if we can get a handful to show up for a two-hour evening prayer meeting. And they were kind of like, huh, you know, because they always think the United States is the best at everything. And the reality is, is that there's a spiritual fervor in the church in Jamaica that is stronger than the spiritual fervor in the church in the United States. We are losing touch with certain uh, depth things, certain spiritual arts, spiritual gifts, spiritual disciplines. We're starting to lose those, and I, I, I would be concerned about that. And so I'm talking about it a little bit this morning, and we're going to talk about a particular discipline, but there are important spiritual gifts and spiritual arts that we must not let slip away, like simply hearing from God, being spirit-led, It's something that is offered in the scriptures for us to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. We need to not lose touch with that. There are prophetic giftings, words from God, praying in the Spirit, ushering in the miracle power of God in prayer, deep communion with God in worship. There are these sorts of things that we need to not lose hold of as we, uh, as the, the American church sort of occasionally shows up for church and figures that's good. There are these deep, important spiritual gifts, spiritual arts that we need to not lose touch with. Um, one of the things I would like to make you aware of in the, in the notes or in the uh, announcements here, Wade McHargue is going to be here at Good Hope on Tuesday, November 29th at 6.30. Wade was the speaker at the first Wood City Music Festival three years ago. He's a big, tall guy. He drove a stake in the ground if you were there. Uh, he's very, very enthusiastic. Um, and he's a, uh, he's a very, very spirit-filled individual. And the way he runs the services, it's very much like a revival meeting. He's just going to let her fly. He, he spoke at Journey Christian Church last time he was here a few months ago. And they had him speak at the Saturday night service and then the two Sunday morning services. And they were fully expecting him to bring a message to the church. But he's, he preached a different message each service. So he just let her fly and whatever came out, came out. And that's the way that worked. And it's, uh, it's a great thing to be involved in. 
Um, so I would invite you to come on Tuesday, November 29th here. He'll also be speaking at Journey on Monday and Wednesday that week, and then Thursday at Grace. So these are basically revival meetings. There will be healing prayer, all kinds of different things going on. So uh, if you want to see and experience some deeper things of God, I would encourage you to come on that Tuesday. Now, when it's when we're dealing with these sorts of things, human error is just as prevalent as it is with everything else. Did you know human error is involved in everything? When it comes to, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't, I'm not going to name any specific things because I don't want to be singling anything out. But everything that humans do involves human error. And that's the case, too, with some of these deeper spiritual things. And so don't be shocked when people are involved. Um, but there are things to get grab a hold of. And so we want to not be distracted by or get too averse to human error when we grab hold of the good things of God. And there are also important spiritual disciplines that we must not let slip away. Our devotional time with God, our love of God, and our love of our neighbor. You know, uh, a lot of the spiritual disciplines are heart disciplines. Love God. That's a heart discipline. Love your neighbor. That's a heart discipline. It's not a behavioral discipline. It's a heart discipline. I had an interesting conversation with my wife uh, a week or two ago where she was expressing that she was frustrated about a particular situation that she was dealing with. And we talked for a while, and then I came to the conclusion and I, I, what, what needs to be done. And so I said to her, I said, well, here's the deal. Don't be frustrated. You need to not be frustrated about this. And she was, she was like, that's a terrible thing to say. Why would you say don't be frustrated? That's, uh, that's not right. And, uh, uh, but what I was saying to her is that it's a matter of spiritual discipline and development to resist certain heart problems and then to rise above those things. When we are frustrated with various situations, we need to realize, okay, we're not understanding the dynamics at play. We need to have a a broader, uh, better perspective of what's happening so that we can evaluate the situation and deal with it more effectively. And so we want to grow and understand things deeper. Let me give another example uh, from my wife. And uh, I, got, I got permission with all of these. And so very, very good. Very wonderful stuff. Um, one time years ago, we had some non-Christian neighbors that were uh, very unorthodox people. And my wife mentioned to the, this wasn't here in Cloquet, to the church, uh, women's group that she was thinking about inviting our neighbors to church because it would be the sort of thing that you'd have to warn the church people so that they didn't act inappropriately. And uh, because you know how sometimes you invite somebody to church and it can be a bad experience for them because the reception is poor. Uh, And what happened was one of the little old ladies that my wife saw as kind of a grandmother figure, you know, nice old Christian lady and uh, went off on a half-hour profanity-laced tirade about how horrible it was that she was thinking about inviting this person to church. 
you know, yelling about things like you don't want to attaint the holiness of the group and that sort of thing. And to which I thought, this group, you know, like you got to be kidding me. This is not holiness. You know, what are you, what are you talking about? And so my wife was kind of taken aback and she was very, very deeply wounded and was crying for quite a bit of time until finally, I don't know if it was God or just a personal realization was God, God, she gave me the nod on it was God. Uh, God just said to her, the problem is with her. It's not with you. This lady's got issues. Don't, don't be so hurt because it's not your fault. That lady has some things she needs to deal with. She's got some problems. She's got issues. Don't let that hurt you. And so that realization from God allowed Trinette to be able to rise above the situation and it changed her heart from a broken heart to a, hmm, okay, there are some people out there that, that are, you know, full of pain and are sharing that pain with those around them. Okay. So we need to learn and grow and get a, a higher perspective, a godly perspective, and then that will help us to improve our heart situation. And these are important disciplines to be able to uh, do certain things that are heart disciplines. Um, there are things like forgiveness. Forgiveness is an important heart discipline. There are other types of disciplines that we, we do in our service to Christ. Things like prayer, things like uh, serving at church, tithing, various different disciplines. And today we're going to talk about the important spiritual discipline of thankfulness. This week, Thanksgiving is coming up on Thursday. So get your turkeys, be ready to go. Uh, and it's important to be able to be thankful and to see it as a spiritual discipline, not just as a holiday and a thing that is an outflow of our circumstances. You know, there are times where it's easy to be thankful because everything's working. And there are times where it's hard to be thankful because nothing's working. And what I would like to pose to you today is that thankfulness should not be an overflow of our circumstances, but thankfulness is intended to be a spiritual discipline that allows us to change our circumstances. So if in the midst of a difficult situation, I remain thankful, it starts to change my situation. Rather than just being at the whim of what experiences I'm having as a human being. Uh, so there's a spiritual discipline of being thankful. The world needs more thankful people. Amen? Let's be those people. The world needs more thankful people. Let's us be those people. Um, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18. Let's look at uh, a few verses that are important, and then we'll talk about thankfulness. Be joyful always. That's a command in the scriptures. Be joyful always. Okay, this is a heart discipline, right? I don't think what this means is that you just 
Stick your head in the sand and pretend everything's okay when everything isn't okay. What it means is, even in the midst of difficult times, don't lose your joy in the Lord. Even if you're mourning, even if you're grieving, even if you're in a harsh situation, even if you're brokenhearted and and bad things are happening, there's a deeper joy in the Lord that we have. We need to hang on to that joy no matter how dark this world is, no matter what hits us in this life, we need to hang on to our joy in the Lord. Amen? Be joyful always. Pray continually. You may be more familiar with the King James, pray without ceasing. He's saying, now, uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to disagree with me here, but I have a, a slightly different interpretation of this verse. Uh, a lot of people think that this means you're supposed to pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, I think that just, you're friendlies, right? Hey, friendlies. Uh, I, that's ridiculous. Seven, seven days a week, 24 hours a day doesn't make any sense. How are you supposed to pray seven days a week, 24 hours a day? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Uh, let me give you a trick question. I've set you up very well. This is a trick question. Give me the answer. Can you ever really pray enough? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Can you ever really give enough? Yes, you can. Absolutely. Can you ever really read your Bible enough? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Now, you probably aren't, but you can. You know, God is not unreasonable. God is not putting a bunch of expectations upon us that we can't possibly ever attain to so that he can blame us for being bad. That's not how this works. God loves us and he's setting before us a life that's attainable that we need to grab hold of because it's abundant life. And I believe what this means, pray continually or pray without ceasing, means be a person of prayer and don't stop being a person of prayer. Have you ever had seasons in your life where you had a fervent, strong prayer life? And then seasons where it just sort of fell off and you're like, oops, it's been eight months. I haven't prayed. (laughs) Has that happened? I think what this means is be a person of prayer and don't stop being a person of prayer. I think that's what this verse means. And then let's go to verse 18. It's going to have our topic in it. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. In Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered what God's will was for you in Christ Jesus? Here's the answer. (laughs) Be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. That's God's will for you. Now, God will have other specific wills for you individually. This applies to all of us at all times, on all nations, all across the world. If we are followers of Christ, we are to be thankful in all circumstances. Now, another thing I need to make sure I'm clear about is it does not say be thankful for all circumstances. This, I think, is very, very important. Let's look at Jesus as our example. Was Jesus thankful for the money changers in the temple? If you remember the story, there were money changers in the temple and they were ripping off the people as they would come and give their sacrifices. They might need to buy a dove or whatever for the different ceremonial things. And the money changers were taking big, big uh, slices of the pie out of the people's pockets. And Jesus was very upset about that. And he flipped over the tables of the money changers and he yelled at them saying, this should be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. Was he thankful for the money changers in the temple? No, 
But do you think he was still a thankful person? He was still a person of love, a person of peace, a person of joy, a person who connected with his father and who cared about others. He was still thankful, even though he was seeing injustice, he dealt with the injustice. He wasn't thankful for the injustice. He fought the injustice, but he didn't become bitter. He kept a thankful heart. And so it's important to understand that we are to be thankful no matter what we're going through. But you don't have to be thankful for the evil of this world. You don't have to be thankful for the darkness and satanic attacks. You don't have to be thankful for those things. Be thankful in those things. You catching me? All right. That's a big one. Because sometimes people feel guilty for not being thankful for the enemy's attacks. And that's another just weird thing. It's an unrealistic, bizarre, religious deal. Let's be thankful in all circumstances. Let's be people who give thanks and who are not crushed by this world, but who can keep our joy, keep our peace, keep our heart of thankfulness in any situation that we're going through. Is that going to take discipline? Absolutely. It's going to take significant spiritual discipline. Now, let's look at Jesus. We already used him as an example with regards to the money changers and how instead of you know, saying, Father, I thank you for these money changers and I just am so happy right now. He flipped the tables over. He's our example. You know, Jesus is our example in many, many ways and he's our substitute in one very important way. Jesus died on the cross so we wouldn't have to. And in other ways, he is our example for us to follow after him. So uh, in certain ways, he's our example. And so I looked through the scriptures. This was actually a few years ago. I was interested in the topic of thankfulness. And I thought, well, I wonder how many times Jesus was thankful and in what situations he's recorded as being thankful. And if I looked in the NIV, the New American Standard, uh, the New King James, and I only found four situations where Jesus was, was described as being thankful. Four situations. I thought it would be more. And this is when you combine all those, you get the word uh, thanks in it. You know, so like they don't all have that word. And so it's maybe a little bit iffy. uh, But I'm looking for as many different situations where Jesus is giving thanks as possible. And so we're going to look at these four situations and we're going to ask three questions. When did Jesus give thanks? What did Jesus give thanks for? And what was the result? Jesus is our example in this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 14, the feeding of the 5,000. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So if you've read this story before, you know that the disciples themselves did not have any food. So they're probably saying, let's, let's, let's get the meeting over with because we need food. They must need food. Let's be done. Have you ever thought, dude, let's have church be over. It's been enough time. In Jesus' day, they'd go for days, you know, and the disciples are like, it's getting dark, man. Let's be done. 
And so they say, send them out to get, get some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. How satisfying an answer would that have been in that situation? Been doing church for hours and hours and hours. There's thousands of people. Nobody has any food. They're out in a remote wilderness area. You give them something to eat. What do you mean? Verse 17. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And that was from this little boy. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So there's... Probably ten to 15,000 people. There's five loaves. Is it five loaves and two fish or two loaves and five fish? Five loaves and two fish. I always get those things goofed up. When did Jesus give thanks? When there were five loaves and two fish and thousands upon thousands of people that needed to eat. What did he give thanks for? For five loaves and two fish. He gave thanks for way, way not enough. It's like giving thanks for $8 in your bank account. He gave thanks for something that's essentially irrelevant. But he gave thanks for what he had. What was the result? God multiplied the loaves and the fish. Everybody ate. There was a miracle. Jesus was faced with a particular circumstance. It was a difficult circumstance. He gave thanks in the midst of that circumstance, and it changed the situation. It ushered in the power of God to change that day. Let's look at John chapter 11. The death of Lazarus. Now Jesus was good friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. When he was traveling, he would stay at their house. How secure would you feel if you were personal friends with Jesus? If he would stay at your house when he was traveling through? They knew him personally. They knew him very, very well. And Lazarus gets sick and they send for Jesus. And Jesus doesn't come. And Lazarus dies. And Jesus doesn't come. And finally on the fourth day after Lazarus is dead. Jesus shows up. And the family doesn't have the same opinion of Jesus. As they did before Lazarus got sick. Before Lazarus got sick. Jesus was their hero. He was the incredible healer. He was the wonderful teacher. He might even be the Messiah. They thought very highly of him. And then when Lazarus died, they're like, where were you? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Both Martha and Mary said that to Jesus. You, You messed up 
You've wronged us. You should have been here. And Jesus shows up, and this is where we pick it up. John eleven thirty eight. 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Next verse. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. When did Jesus give thanks? When Lazarus was in the tomb and Mary and Martha were very disappointed in him. What did he give thanks for? He gave thanks for the fact that his Father in heaven hears his prayers. When everybody there is thinking, you're ineffective. You you do all these fancy things. You couldn't even take care of this. When everybody's thinking that he doesn't have any power, he gives thanks for God hearing his voice. And what was the result? Lazarus came out of the tomb. Now, if there were a whole bunch of other situations where Jesus is recorded as giving thanks, I wouldn't think this is as significant. But how come it's only in these types of situations? Let's go to the next one. Luke chapter 10. There's some positives in this one. There's some exciting things, but there's something else we need to look at. Luke chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 17. Jesus is evaluating his disciples. The 72 returned. So Jesus had sent out the 72 two by two to different towns and they would go and say, you know, hey, Jesus is coming and and they would pray and cast out demons and they would do all these miracles. And then when Jesus showed up, everybody was ready for the meetings. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and it revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. So, catch this. What's he saying about his disciples? These are not the wise and learned. (laughs) These are not the fancy people. These are little children. These are not people who are viewed highly by the culture. If you know about the disciples that Jesus chose, he chose fishermen. He chose ordinary people. He didn't choose the highly educated, the big business people, the important people of the day. He picked these, these, this ragtag group of people that had a lot of significant problems. 
Peter was, was going to deny him. He hadn't done it yet. James and John were going to try to subvert around the other ten and get important positions. They got their mom to ask Jesus to put James and John into more important positions than the other ten. Judas was going to sell him out. And he gives thanks to God for this group of people and how God has revealed his power and his plan to them. So, When did he give thanks? He gave thanks after a great victory. But the church was not a worldwide movement at this time. 72. That's less than we have in here. And uh, so that's when he did it. What did he give thanks for? He gave thanks for that group of people. If you want to change the world and you've got some little children not wise and learned, not important. He gave thanks for them. And then what was the result? There are two billion Christians on the planet right now. Two billion. That's a lot. The world has changed. So, what challenges are you facing? How do we understand the spiritual discipline of giving thanks? What challenges are you facing? When do you give thanks? After God answers or before? Before. What do you give thanks for? Any little thing you can grab hold of, right? If it's five loaves and two fish, whatever it is. If it's for answered prayer in the midst of devastation. If it's for the little ragtag group of helpers you got. You give thanks for what you've got. And the result will be that your situation will begin to change. Now, obviously... The things we've read about are profound, incredible miracles. And that doesn't happen all the time. But I tell you what, if you keep your thankful heart in the midst of difficult circumstances, it will improve your circumstances. Things will get better. I'm going to invite the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a few minutes. If you refuse to be thankful, what are your other options? Because we can refuse to be thankful, right? We can say, nope, not going to be thankful. My life is garbage. It's not a time to be thankful. I'm angry. What are your other options if you're not going to be thankful? Of course, you can be unthankful. That's pretty simple. That's what I would put if it was a test. Um, but you can be angry. You can be bitter. You can be despairing. You can be covetous. If you've got a vehicle that runs, you can be thankful. Maybe the heater doesn't work, and that would sure be nice, but you can still be thankful. You can be greedy. You can have a sense of entitlement. You can be discontent. You can blame other people. Lots of options we have if we refuse to be thankful. Let's be thankful. This world needs more thankful people 
Let's be those people. This is a spiritual discipline. It's a self-regulation. When I need to reorder my heart and I need to grab hold of thankfulness, I need to fight for it. I need to focus on the little things I can be thankful for and grow in the spiritual discipline of thankfulness. Now, there's one more situation. I told you there were four situations where Jesus is described as giving thanks. There's one more situation. And these were the only ones. I looked pretty hard. These were the only ones. You know, I had my computer and I typed out all this stuff and did all kinds of searches. And I could only find these four. The last situation where Jesus gives thanks is at the Last last Supper. Let's look at Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He gave thanks twice in this passage. Once for the cup, once for the bread. What was he giving thanks for? Was it for the meal? He was giving thanks that his body would be broken for the healing of the nations. And he was giving thanks that his blood would be spilled for the forgiveness of mankind. He gave thanks before he went to the cross, before the mob came and got him, before he rose from the grave and was seated at the right hand of the Father. He gave thanks. Why did he give thanks in that situation? Because he saw something more important than his suffering. He saw you and me and all the people of this world that needed a savior. And he stepped into that And he let himself be broken. He let his blood spill so that we could receive healing in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, physically from God. And we could receive forgiveness of sins and be brought into everlasting life. He gave thanks in that situation. So what was the result You know, the first time Jesus gave thanks and a miracle happened. The next time Jesus gave thanks and a miracle happened. Then Jesus gave thanks for the group and over time they became the the world changers that God had planned for them to be. Jesus gives thanks in this situation. What happens next? Well, that's up to you. Because you can receive what he has done or... 
you can ignore it and push it away. The miracle is there for us to take hold of, but it's up to us to grab hold of it. So let's pray and let's grab hold of everything that God has for us. If we are to have thankful hearts, we need to focus on the right things. Let's focus on the love of God for us that Jesus would be thankful to be going to the cross, to be crucified, that we could live. And after we pray about that, I'll invite people up for personal prayer. Doesn't matter what the need is, come get prayer. You want to start a relationship with Jesus, get prayer. You need a relationship restored, get prayer. You need a financial miracle, physical healing, a blessing from God. You just need some encouragement, come get prayer. Again, doesn't matter. But let's pray and let's fully receive what God has for us through what Jesus has done. If you're someone who's been a Christian for years and years, let's not let this get stale. Let's receive the forgiveness and the healing of God that we can be born again and walk anew. If you've strayed from God, now is your time to grab hold of that and start fresh. And if you've never known the Lord Jesus, today is the day to start that relationship because it's up to you to respond to what Jesus did. So let's pray. Let's believe God for something good. Heavenly Father, you say for us to be thankful in all circumstances. And I know something that we can be thankful for no matter what we're going through. And that is a body that was broken and blood that was spilled 2,000 years ago. It was spilled because of love. It was broken because of compassion for each one of us. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. We thank you for loving us that much, for being willing to go through that because of how much you care. Father, we give you praise. And I pray for each one in this place right now, Lord, that we would understand and grab hold of the fullness of the sacrifice you have made for us and that we would respond in the right way by saying, thank you, Lord. Help me to walk with you. Thank you for your forgiving power, Lord God, that nothing that we have done sticks to us when we are washed clean by you. And thank you, Lord, that our broken hearts, that our broken understandings, that all these things are healed, Lord, over time as we learn and grow and receive the good things of you. Let us grab hold of those things, each one. I pray a blessing over each person in this place. Lord, I pray your peace would be upon us and that your joy would be with us. Lord, let your hand be upon each one. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.